the sky is falling. Oklahoma moves to 10-1 and on the season with a 28-24 to victory. But for the second week in a row, if you look at social media, you listen to the radio, or just check general comments on any message board, you would think that Oklahoma is sitting at 6-5 and on the season and just barely bowl eligible. Wait, that would be the Texas Longhorns. We can get into that later on. Welcome, everybody, to the Sooner Nation podcast. Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. Like I said, Oklahoma 28-24. to over the TCU Horn Frogs, TCU falls to five and six on the season, three and five on conference. Oklahoma seven and one in conference. The good news is, with Bedlam still on the horizon, Oklahoma has already locked their spot in the Big 12 championship game. It will, in fact, be a rematch between the Baylor Bears and the Oklahoma Sooners. And if you're Oklahoma, you've got to like the side that you are on in that matchup because, as we discussed previously, Baylor. Baylor gave everything Oklahoma had. This was an undermanned Oklahoma team on the road in Waco. And Baylor literally threw the kitchen sink at the Sooners, and it wasn't enough. So you got to be start. I mean, look, Baylor's Baylor's got Kansas this weekend. So if I'm Matt Rule, I'm not going to disrespect Kansas by admitting this out loud, but I'm working on Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts and trying to figure something out. And I'm probably calling Gary Patterson for some advice. What's going on, Rich? Oh, not a lot. Is the sky falling? In in my opinion, it is not. I, I do think there's a little bit of an overreaction. There's this something isn't quite right. We have this expectation when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners that they will run over teams offensively. But that isn't necessarily happening, and the defense is left on the field for a longer period of time than what you'd think they were because of the turnovers, which I know that we'll get to. And now people are looking for a finger to to point. Which direction that goes in really depends on who you ask. But is the sky falling? Absolutely not. Are there improvements that this Oklahoma football team can make? Absolutely. Well, there's one area that they can improve in, and that's just in the area of turnovers. The finger is being pointed in two different directions, and I've got issues with both of them. So here we go. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. First of all, the finger is being pointed at Jalen Hurts. All right? I admit turnovers are an issue. I have been harping on turnovers. You, if you remember, going all the way back to the Houston game, I, I pointed out turnovers. Everyone was talking about good stuff, and I was like, hey, we need to talk about these turnovers. UCLA, we need to talk about these turnovers. All the way through, I was one of the first people on here saying – Jalen Hurts is amazing. He's an incredible leader, an incredible athlete. He's the guy you want leading your troops, but the turnovers are an issue. And here we are, 11 games into the season, and guess what? Turnovers are an issue. But let's stop it right there. Let's just say, let's can we not just say turnovers are an issue with this team. And for a long time, it was only Jalen Hurts turning the ball over. But then we have CeeDee Lamb with a big turnover uh, in, in, in the Iowa State game. We have Jaden Hazelwood with the big turnover in the TCU game. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is contributing to that as well, but he's not alone in the area of pr- protecting the football. Here's my issue. Are we really to the point where we think – that Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai is a better option for this football team than Jalen Hurts. Here's what here's what Joe from Anadarko, as I like to say, is going to. Here's what he's going to say. Well, those two guys would probably take better care of the ball. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe a true freshman down 25 points on the road would take better care of the football than Jalen Hurts. Maybe a redshirt sophomore or whatever Mordecai is. I think he's a freshman now. No, he's a sophomore. Anyway, maybe a, a younger guy is going to go out there and play against a true freshman and Max Dugan and lead Oklahoma to a 28-24 victory, and not turn the ball over as much. Maybe, just maybe one of those two things are going to happen. But do you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to come back from 24 points behind. They're not going to rush for over 1,000 yards. 1,156 yards rushing is what Jalen Hurts has on the season. Kyler Murray didn't do that until he got to the bowl game. He didn't crack 1,000 yards until he got to the bowl game. Only two other quarterbacks 
have done this quicker or at the same pace as Jalen Hurts. And you know, who the, do you know who those two guys are? No. Okay, let me tell you who the, the only two. Do you mean in, in the country yeah, or at the University and, and, of Oklahoma? No, no, no. No, nationally, only two other quarterbacks have reached 1,000 yards rushing by the 11th game of the season. I'm going to guess it's, it's one of the service schools and maybe a Georgia Tech. No and no. Okay, okay. All right. Prove me wrong. 2000 2000 sorry, 3000 yard passer, 1000 yard rusher. Let me let me clarify a little bit. 3000 yard passer, 1000 yard okay. rusher, only two other quarterbacks. Russell Wilson. No. I I got nothing for you then. Johnny Manziel and Lamar Jackson. That's the kind of company that Jalen Hurts is in. And we want to dogpile on this guy thinking really, I mean Thinking that a true freshman who does have a bright future, by the way, future is way, way bright for Spencer Rattler. You look at these young guys, these receivers that he's going to grow up with at the University of Oklahoma, and you can't help but be excited. But here's the thing. When it comes to the, the quarterback the position, the future is not right now. We've got a quarterback who's in the same company as Lamar Jackson and the same company as Johnny Manziel. Yeah, Johnny Manziel didn't equate as a pro the way Lamar Jackson has, but your professional career and your collegiate career, two different things. Otherwise, Tim Tebow and Jason White were bust in college. We got to jump off this train and we got to jump off this train in a hurry because here's what, here's, here's what it comes down to. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Here, here, I'm, I'm getting to the end of my little – I don't usually start the podcast with a rant, but, man, I, this has just been eating at me since about 1130 Saturday night. All right, Here's what it comes down to. This is the least dominant offensive line that Oklahoma has had in four years. In four years, this is the least dominant line that Oklahoma has had. This is the most inexperienced they've had at the wide receiver position in three years. This is as shallow, when I say shallow, I mean lacking of depth at the running back position in three years. And we know the defense, okay? We'll get to that later on. But we know the kind of defense that Oklahoma has. So understanding where we are with the offensive line, understanding where we are with the receiving core, understanding where we are with the running backs. Let's just stop and pause for a second and realize that this is a football team that's number seven in the AP poll. It's probably going to be number seven in the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night with two weeks left to play of college football. They're very much in the hunt for this thing. Let's understand that this is a team that's most likely going to win its fifth consecutive Big 12 championship in two weeks. And, and... This offensive line that is the least dominating offensive line in three years, by the way, a finalist, once again, for the Joe Moore Award, the best offensive line in the country, the receiving core that's that's as, as inexperienced as it's been in the last three years, has a Bolitnikoff finalist, I know this because I vote for that, and... The quarterback, who is not Kyler Murray, who is not Baker Mayfield, but still very talented, is going to be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. How spoiled are we? How spoiled have we become as a fan base when we win a game to go to 11-1 on the season and it's not good enough because we didn't win by 30 points, because we didn't put up the, quote, style points, because we're not Georgia who lost to South Carolina but still in the top four. Oklahoma can only control what Oklahoma controls. And the one thing that they've got to work on, the only thing that this team has to work on at this point is turnovers. That's all they got to worry about. But can we stop crying about Jalen Hurts? We didn't lose the game. Oklahoma won. And guess what? For the third, I'm getting ahead of myself here. For the third consecutive week, the defense saved the day. Why are we bagging on this defense? Why? We're going to get into defensive stuff later on. But can we say for the third consecutive week, the defense saved the day? Can we say if Oklahoma doesn't turn the ball over three times, either in this game or in the Baylor game or twice at the Iowa State game, that it's a different outcome as far as the defense is concerned? Are we not willing to recognize that? But here's what Oklahoma is doing. 
Oklahoma is beating the competition. Oklahoma will be favored, heavy favorites, to win the Big 12 championship. By the way, I'll be there. And, yeah, you just gave me that, what, what, look? And they're in the conversation. At this point, all you want is to be in the conversation. I shared with you last week about the person I had the conversation with regarding Oklahoma and going undefeated. It has been 19 years since Oklahoma went undefeated. That what that means that tells you this. Here's what it here's what it doesn't tell can, you. Can I pause you? No, you cannot because I'm, I'm going on the roll. to. All right. Here here's the thing because I, I do want to jump on this undefeated conversation, and I think a lot of people look at an undefeated record and they they are ultimately quantifying that throughout the regular season, not BCS championship games or bowl games or even the conference, not the conference, excuse me, the college football. Playoff, and it's it's easy to say it's been 19 years since there's been an undefeated season, which is true. It's not an inaccurate statement, but there have been undefeated regular seasons. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you go undefeated between 2000 and 2019. That doesn't matter. That does not matter at all because when you look, you go back and you look at Oklahoma's record from Mm -hmm. 2018. All the way back to 2000, only one record is going to have a zero in the L column, and that's going to be the 2000 team. Right. So you can say whatever you want to say, quantify it however you want to quantify it, and gripe about it however you want to gripe about it. But people don't understand how difficult it is to run the table in the world of college football. It's impossible in the NFL. It's impossible in the NFL. It is possible in college football. But they're going to say, well, look at the, you know, look at LSU. They're undefeated. You know what? The SEC, did you did you pay attention to SEC scores on Saturday? You know what? The SEC has a trick up its sleeve. They only play seven conference games. So they take a they take four weeks of pansy games. And one of those happens in November. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Did you look Which at the SEC scores? On everybody Saturday? wants to call this the month where championships are like, won. How many times? How many times did you hear? I don't know how much you got to watch college football on Saturday. I didn't watch any but of the how SEC. How many times? For those of you listening, then how many times did you hear this phrase? Well, Bama looks Bama looks really good. Well, they're not missing a beat without Tua. You I know did, why? Because they're that, freaking playing Coastal Carolina I, or something I like that. I did see that as one of the headlines. I it mean, was sixty-six to three. But I, I agree with you. That that's a that's a warm-up game. If Tua was injured, it happened in the perfect week for Alabama, where they can get a new quarterback in there. And Mac Mac Jones is that his last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Where they can get Jones in there and get him some reps in a game situation underneath. I want to say the lights, but let's be honest, just in a stadium. Look, I, I make no <laughs> I make no bones about this, okay? Ever since I created my very first ever blog way back in the day, long before we created Crimson and Cream Machine and it grew into what it grew into, long before Heartland Sports was ever a dream of ours, I was an Oklahoma fan. I have been an Oklahoma fan my whole life. I will always be an Oklahoma fan. And that's why I take the approach I take. It is from the approach of a fan. Am I disappointed in turnovers? Absolutely. Am I frustrated in turnovers? Absolutely. Am I willing to say, well, let's give Spencer Rattler a chance? I just feel like that's what they sound like. When I read a tweet that says, I actually saw a tweet, and if you go back through, we have a good – at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, we have a Twitter reactions post. And I actually – there's at least one in there, but I saw tweets on Saturday night that said, I'm embarrassed being to be an Oklahoma football fan. Really? Really? I mean, I would be embarrassed. I mean, you could be a Texas fan. That's what I'm saying. I would be embarrassed to be a Texas football fan yeah. because, you know, we're back to six Under, and five. Underachieving but, yeah, this exactly. year. Yeah, exactly. And you look at the longevity. I mean, this has been a machine running very well for 20 years, going back to 1999. 20 years this thing has been going. Name me another program in the Big 12. That can say for 20 years, we have been relevant. Texas can't say that. Baylor can't say that. You know what? Let's throw in the old guys. Texas A&M can't say that. Missouri can't say that. Those are the guys who thought they were too good for the Big 12. Nebraska can't say that. 
Colorado can't say that. There is not a team. Alabama can't even say they've been relevant for 20 years. Oklahoma beat Florida State in the in the in the Orange Bowl after the 2000 season. Where's Florida State now? Oh yeah, they're looking for their third coach in four years, three years. But yeah, we're gonna say I'm embarrassed to be an Oklahoma fan. You gotta be kidding me with this crap. Oklahoma 10 and one on the season, opportunity to go 11 and one, 12 and one with a Big 12 championship, and still has. A seat at the table as far as this conversation goes for the college football playoff. Here's what you got to look at. Penn State, out. All right, they're done. Oregon, out. Now, what happens, though, is that also waters down the perception of the Pac-12. Which is a good thing. It's a good thing. If if, if you're an Oklahoma fan. If Utah ends up beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, I don't think they will. It'll be their first ranked opponent win. Exactly. Which one, one is baffling because they are so high up in right. the rankings and everyone was banking on a 6-7 matchup. Mm-hmm. When we looked at the schedule, the remaining schedule for each of the teams, we knew that Ohio State had two tests Coming their way, Penn State, followed by Michigan, and then whoever they're going to play in the champion, the Big Ten championship game. But when you looked at the SEC, you're thinking Georgia has to upset LSU to have a shot to stay yeah, in Georgia that and conversation. And so we're they're looking, not. we're looking at Alabama potentially. Nope. I I'm in agreement with you, but the way the the rankings sit currently, we're looking at Alabama and LSU potentially earning spots in that conversation or in the top they have a four. Seat at the table for the Correct. conversation, but Correct. Oklahoma has a better shot than Alabama. I'm just does. saying when you look at the remaining schedules, not a lot of there's not a lot of ranked games. Specifically for the Pac-12, as we've mentioned, and the SEC as well. Now, I know Alabama and Auburn play, but tell me who Georgia has left on the schedule that's really going to give them a test. I think they play Georgia Tech. Right. You know, um, And then they have the, the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Georgia and LSU. And here's the thing. Again, Joe from Anna, And listen, if there's a Joe in Anadarko who really listens to this podcast, I, I want to apologize. I'm not talking about you. But Joe and Darko says, well, look how much they love the, the SEC and not the Big 12. We got to get out of the Big 12 and go to the SEC. No, we don't. We should just get rid of conferences. No. Just, <laughs> look, three out of the last four years, they've been there from the Big 12. Okay? Yeah, and he, here's the thing, Matt, is we can even go back. I know that a lot of people want to say the perception of the Big 12 in the eyes of the committee, the perception is – is is very poor. No, it's not. And it's not. That it's I not. I know and that's the argument that I want to consistently make. I thought you and I were out and about at a celebration and that conversation came up and immediately my mindset said this person is about to say the perception is very poor when it comes to the committee. So I just piped up and said, "Look, there's four ranked teams in the current college football playoff rankings. That was a good perception. That's 40%. I went in and I did the math on that. The only conference that has more representation in the college football playoff by percentage, not by team, by percentage was the Big Ten at 42%. So I thought it favored the Big 12 However, the argument can still be made, and I made this in that post as well, is that wins over ranked opponents in the Big 12 conference don't carry as much weight as they do in the Big 10 or the SEC. And that's largely because these are teams that the the committee has ranked inside the top 10 going head-to-head. Yeah, look, here's what you got to look at if you're an Oklahoma fan, okay? Georgia has a loss to an unranked opponent. Georgia barely snuck by an unranked yeah, opponent Georgia's, in Texas. Georgia's A&M. offense is not. Georgia is in trouble right now. Okay, so Georgia's they're they're in trouble. They have well, to beat they, LSU. No, and, and the and, thing is, they're not because they can't score enough points. But what I'm saying is, they if they won in, they have to beat LSU. Mm-hmm. And if they do beat LSU, LSU's out. The SEC is not getting two in. It's not happening. I still feel like LSU that, could get fine. in. We'll, we'll revisit this later, but the SEC is not getting two in. It's just not happening. 
Oklahoma. Well, not with all the complaints that we're hearing from across the nation, specifically the the Pac-12. Did the Big Ten get anyone in last year? I don't think so. No, so I, they're making a case, obviously, Ten, Ohio State carrying the banner. Right. The Big Ten has been the conference that I have been saying all season long, watch out for the Big Ten. Watch out for the Big Ten. But they're not getting two in. They're not getting two in. But what you really want to see happen is you want to see Minnesota beat Ohio State. You want to see the miracle, okay? And and that because that will eliminate the Big Ten in my opinion. I think you're crazy. I mean, I I mean, look. Well, here's what I mean. It eliminated the Big. Oh, Minnesota may be get may get in, but is anybody? No, gonna, no, no. I don't. No, no. If just no. If Minnesota beats Ohio State, they may get in. They really might. But I mean, they're going to leave. They're going to get sixteen. They're going to get in the four seed if they do. So I just look. It's. This is a long way from being over with. I think personally, the way I I mapped it out, I think Oklahoma's number seven on Tuesday night when the rankings come I out. I agree. That, you're in good spot. You're in a good spot because Utah's not going to make it. They're not. Even if they win their conference, they're going to get bumped. Here, here, And here's why. Baylor has Kansas this coming weekend. Baylor will should win big at Kansas. If you want a disaster for Oklahoma – have Kansas beat Baylor, okay? <laughs> Baylor should win very comfortably over Kansas, setting up Oklahoma to be the only loss on Baylor's schedule. If Baylor's only two losses come to the same team, Oklahoma, that is huge for the Sooners because Baylor will still be ranked after that game. Oklahoma will carry a lot of weight in that. You already said Utah hasn't beaten a ranked opponent all season long, if Utah does beat Oregon in the Pac-12, it's going to be a two-loss Oregon team. I, uh, no, Oregon's already a two-loss team. That's what You're I'm saying. You're saying Utah no, would be no, a two-loss if, team. If, no, if Utah beats them, they will have beaten a two-loss team. Oh, okay, okay. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it puts them at three losses. Right. I'm with you. That beating a two-loss Oregon team, giving them their, their third loss, is not as impressive as... As a nationally ranked team right. that's, only, puts, that's only losses to you twice. And it puts Oregon as a 2025 team. So anyway, all that said, long way to go. But man, we we have to pump the brakes. Let's, let's just stop. Everybody stop. If you're listening to us on, on, on Apple Podcasts, stop for just a second. If, if, you're, if you're tuning in right now on iHeartRadio, stop for just a second. And let's just appreciate what we had in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Let's just stop. Just imagine. There they are. There they are. Oh, they're awesome. Okay. We don't have that anymore. Okay. They're gone. They're making a lot of money in the NFL. But what we have right now, best quarterback in the Big 12. I'm sorry. He's the best quarterback in the Big 12. And he's the best option on this team. He's better than Spencer Rattler. He's better than Tanner Mordecai. So let's say, hey, Jalen, we support you. We're thankful you came to Norman because we're not 10 and 1 without you. Could you just do a little better job at taking care of the football? Right. That's where we need to be. And this is true is the the one knock against Jalen Hurts has been ball security. And it's something that we've seen in the past three weeks consistently. When we look at Jalen Hurts, when we look at the production, I don't think you can knock the kid for how efficient he's been with this offense. But again, if you're looking for one place where you can take issue with Jalen Hurts, it has to be ball security. It's the only and, place. And here's the thing is we can go in and we can look at the number of turnovers, but there have been other times where Jalen Hurts has put the ball on the turf and has recovered it. Those don't show up as negatively as those that are lost. They're still there, and it is a problem. It's something that can be fixed, but it's something that we're going to have to live with for the time being. Bedlam coming up Saturday night, 7 p.m. kickoff in Stillwater. The week after that, Oklahoma-Baylor in the Big 12 Championship. If you want to go to one or both, well, here's your opportunity. Vivid Seats, the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price. You can look for seats in the section or the row of your choice, all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards is what it's called. You go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. 
Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And here's the best part. We're going to take it a step further for you. When it's time to buy, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. If you enter that code at checkout, you receive a discount of up to $100 on your tickets. Okay, Oklahoma, 24-21 over – 28-24. 28-24 <laughs> over TCU. Look, we, we've, we've talked about the, the turnovers. And, and I, I think if you look back at this schedule – all right, let, let, let's go back. Um, let's go all the way back to Kansas State. You lost, we lost 48-41 in Kansas State. They won 42 to 41 versus Iowa State. They won 34 to 31 at Baylor, and they won 28 to 24 at home against TCU. If you remove the turnovers from all four of those games, it is a completely different story. And we've been talking about the turnovers all season long, but let's just take Saturday night for example. Okay, you got the pick six. That takes six points off the board right there. You got the fumble that turned into a field goal. That takes, well, extra point. That's seven. That takes 10 points off the board. All right? So that means TCU's got 14 points in this game. You take take away Jalen Hurts' fumble, which, by the way, was a great defensive play. The fumble at the goal line. Well, at the seven-yard line. Okay? that That's a touchdown off the board. You take away the interception that was thrown to CeeDee Lamb. That's a touchdown off the board. This game could have easily been 42-14. to 14. So that's why the frustration level grows when you talk about turnovers. I have it at 49. 49? And, and, here's, and that's here's the I mean, reason. I'm just saying, yeah, the, but the point is, totally different game. When you look at the moments that Oklahoma turns the ball over, it's after sustained, long sustained mm. drives that had been successful up into the turnover, and it happened in the red zone consistently. I know you're talking about points and how it's it it really paints a different picture of this game and how it potentially plays out, but you give 10 on, on the turnovers and you give up 21 because I believe Oklahoma was going to score. I believe Oklahoma was getting into the end zone on those. All of a sudden, I'm with you. All of a sudden, the turnovers are giving what's a quality defense more and more confidence. And we saw that build throughout the duration of the second half. But ultimately, Oklahoma doesn't score points in the second quarter. Why? The fumble. Oklahoma doesn't score points in the third quarter. They well, scored a touchdown. they did score a touchdown. They didn't score as many as maybe they should have. So they didn't score in the fourth quarter, right? We no. just had the third quarter. Yeah, the, the the fourth quarter was the only quarter Oklahoma didn't score in. Okay, and so we're looking at this idea of the offense really tripping up and struggling. It's not that they're not producing. It's not that they're not gaining yards and being shut down. It's that when when they gain the yards, I mean, here, let's, let, let me go in here. Interception, um, that was for TCU. The 13 plays, 85 yards. Jalen Hurts throws the interception after C.D. Lamb slips. 13 plays, 85 yards, Matt. That took up seven minutes and five seconds. Like I said, Oklahoma was in complete control of this game. The only issue was the moments where they were turning those over, and it did provide a substantial swing on the scoreboard, which is why this game is a lot closer than what it should have been or what it could have been. No, 100%. And and here's the thing. Here's what it comes down to. Oklahoma, when they get the ball, you think they're going to score every time. And if they don't score, you think it's going to be because they turn the ball over. They're either going to turn the ball over or they're going to score. So, And here's why I can say that. Reeves, and I'm, I I apologize, Munchow, Munchow, Munchow. Munchow, he's averaging 42.8 yards per punt this season. You know how many times he's punted the ball in 11 games? Seven. 
Oh no, way more than that. Eleven games. Oh. I thought it, I I had this conversation. He put it, he put it twice Saturday and night. And here here's the reason why my guess was so low is because when you look at I wanted to say it was against Iowa State. It may have been Baylor, and I'm not certain anymore in my mind, but there was a game that was wildly, Oklahoma wildly behind. It didn't seem effective in moving the ball, but there was only one punt in that game from Oklahoma. Well, that's the thing. He's punted 25 times in 11 games, which just averages out to just over two times a mm-hmm. game that he punts. That 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 makes you believe that when Oklahoma has the ball, they're either going to score or they're going to turn it over. And if you take away that turnover, right, you don't turn the ball over, that means you're going to score. And that makes this team extremely, extremely dangerous. And you you made the point for me, segueing into our next topic, when we talk about this offense, we have seen this offense morph from about the 11-minute mark of the second quarter of Baylor to all the way through yesterday's game. Did it morph? It has morphed. Or has this been the identity? No. Let me tell you why. Do you know how many times – this is crazy. This is a crazy stat that just kind of sneaks under the radar. Do you know how many times Kennedy Brooks carried the football Saturday night? I do because I've cheated. Okay. So he carried <laughs> Kennedy Brooks. Was it 25? Yeah. yeah. Kennedy Brooks carried the ball 25 times for 149 yards. Both of those are season highs for him. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts 28 times, which is more than his career mark against Baylor. So in the, in, in the last two games, you've seen Jalen Hurts set a career rushing mark against Baylor and break that rushing mark against TCU. But look at Kennedy Brooks. Go back since the Kansas State loss, okay? And you you got the loss to Kansas State where he was extremely underused, only only used only ran the ball 3 times against Kansas State. L- look at the stats for for Kennedy Brooks. Iowa State 15 carries. Baylor 18 carries. TCU, 25 carries. Those are back-to-back-to-back season-high and number of carries for Kennedy Brooks. Lincoln Riley has changed this offense to become a power-rushing offense that takes advantage of passing opportunities. Again, making it even more dangerous if you don't turn the ball over because, because of what Jalen Hurts can do they're able to sustain these 10 to 15 play drives and just lean on a defense. That's why they beat Baylor. They flat wore Baylor out. And one thing should be noted as well, the last three weeks, well, even if you want to throw in Kansas State, I, I would venture to say Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, four of the most physical defenses in the Big 12. So this, this is a team that has spent the last two weeks really honing in on becoming this power-rushing team. And now they get to play Oklahoma State, who is decent, but Oklahoma State doesn't have the level of physicality that Oklahoma has seen the last four weeks. So I I give Lincoln Riley credit for what he's doing. And Lincoln Riley cannot really, I mean, I I know what he said. You know, he takes the blame for Jalen Hurts' pick six. That's on Jalen Hurts. Lincoln Riley's trying to keep mm, no. 50, it's on Jalen Hurts. Fifty fifty. No, no Jalen Hurts is a fifth no, no, year no, senior. No, no, not fifty fifty with Lincoln Riley. Fifty fifty with Lamb. No, I, I I don't. I mean, look, people are saying Lamb slipped. It was a bad. He 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 was anticipating Lamb. He it was, but it was it was not a good throw. <laughs> Whether Lamb slips I, I, or not, I felt like they should have went outside with that. Lamb, Lamb has the one-on-one matchup right. in that situation, and he has the open side of the field. There's nobody well, there. No, there's a route going deep, deep corner, if I remember right. No, Lamb was the only. In my recollection, okay. Lamb fakes going that one, but all the motion comes back across the middle of the field. But well, regardless, regardless, that's in the situation that you're in. Okay, you're you're a fifth-year senior quarterback. You're in this situation. You, you're, there's no need to press that throw. If, if nothing else, tuck and run. If you can't tuck and run, throw it out of the back of the end zone. Oh, but it looks so good. No, it, someone falls down. It, no, he didn't fall down. That's that is the look. Like he's. I granted he lost traction. Okay, but that is not, in my opinion. 
Okay, I look, I, I've coached football, I've played football, never at this level, but in my opinion, that is on the quarterback. That's not on CeeDee Lamb. And and Lincoln Riley, but my bad. You know, whatever, dude. Don't make the throw. You don't have to. This is where it's on the quarterback. Know enough about where you are, both on the field and in the game. Don't make that throw. You're not down four, and it's not fourth down. You don't have to make that throw. The only time you have to make that throw is if you're down four and it's fourth down. That's the only time. And Jalen Hurts is kicking himself because of that. But the point is this. I like where Oklahoma is right now. I like where they are offensively. I like where they are in the college football playoff rankings. I like where they are in the the Big 12 standings. I like what I'm seeing with Oklahoma. Everything I like about it, except for the turnovers. Hey, let's talk about one thing I I think that went completely unnoticed. I know that this is the last home game, the last time to play inside this stadium, the last time to play on this field for the seniors. But did you notice who led the team out of the tunnel? Yeah, I mean it's it's on it's on the website. It's on it's right there on the front. Who was it? Who'd you have? Grant Calcutta. Exactly. I thought that was a very classy move. Well, thank you for reading Heartland Sports. Yeah, this yeah, week, yeah. I appreciate absolutely. you visiting the website. I thought, I thought that was a very classy move for the University of Oklahoma, even though he is a junior announcing his retirement. Obviously, big news that we talked about and have discussed previously don't want to get into that here today but the second thing um i just wanted to hit on this this transformation because matt at the beginning of the season correct me if i'm wrong here you you explicitly said oklahoma is a run first team and they use the run to set up the pass am i am i incorrect so so is is it really a transformation when you know that this is a run first team that uses the run to set up the pass. And the second thing that you've pointed out all season long, I I can't remember where this started. Texas. I know exactly where it started now. Against Texas, you had mentioned the fact that Lincoln Riley was going to use a lot of motion. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that has continued and it's been a trend. Regardless of who's in the backfield, it could be a mixture of tight end, running back, wide receiver. It doesn't doesn't matter, but they're still using a lot of motion there in the background to background in the backfield to cause a little bit of confusion and to get this the defenses on their heels. So kudos to you for pointing that out. But like I said, just two things that I, I wanted to point out. I guess three things I wanted to point out here as it concerns the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, two two things on that. Two things on your three things. The motion lets you do a lot. The motion lets you see. You can kind of – a lot of times with motion, and if you put a guy like Charleston Rambo or CeeDee Lamb, one of those fast guys in motion, you can you – can, the defense a lot of times – by the way they adjust to that or the way they don't adjust to that. If they don't adjust, most of the times that tells you they're running zone, okay? So if they don't adjust, you put a guy in motion and no one moves, you're thinking, okay, zone. Find and all the of your, soft spot. Yeah, all of your receivers are going, okay, we're in a zone. Or if a guy, if they, if, if they, if they, depending on how they do move, you see it's man coverage or you see it's like a, a cover two, a soft zone, you know, those type of things, all right? So that's the purpose of the motion. But let me go back to the running game because I've always said this. You're right, that Oklahoma Lincoln Riley runs to pass. But there's a difference. There's a big difference in running to pass and running for power, okay? And when you're okay. running for power, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to wail on this defense. Look at the personnel that they used. Ramon J. Stevenson. You know, Kennedy Brooks. At one point on Saturday night, you had three, you had Jalen Hurts in three backs. You had the diamond formation or the inverted, inverted wishbone, whichever way you look at that. What is that set up for? That is set up because if, whether, whether you watch, go back and watch it. You got two running backs, three running backs, or is Jalen Hurts in one running back? The point of the, of the play is this whether you have the ball or not, you're hitting somebody. So when there's when Ramondre Stevenson and Kennedy Brooks in the backfield at the same time, Kennedy Brooks may get the ball, but Ramondre Stevenson is hitting somebody. Which I loved using him as as more of a fullback yes. entity, but knowing he has the propensity to carry the ball mm-hmm. regardless 
of who's in the backfield with him. Ramondre Stevenson is a guy you have to account for that could be the ball carrier right. in any situation. Well, and and that's the point I'm making. And and even even in that that diamond formation, when Jalen Hurts keeps it, watch him. All four of those running backs, Jalen Hurts is going to keep it, but all three of the other guys are hitting somebody. And what you're doing is you're wearing on that defense. You're leaning on them. It, I, I've, I've always said this as well. It is so much easier to run block than it is to pass block because when you're run blocking, man, you're just driving people. Most, most offensive linemen can run block. The really, really good ones – the guys that get their name called in the first round of the NFL draft, those are those guys that are just as nasty pass blocking as they are run blocking. But run blocking is a lot of fun if you're an offensive lineman because a lot of times you get to go to that second level and you just get to destroy a linebacker who's half your size. Or you get to drive a, a defensive end or a defensive tackle to the ground and lay on him. That's fun. But that's that's the difference between running to throw the football and running just to wear out a defense. And that's why you've seen these numbers spike on you. You're the one who sent me the text message last night about the number of run to pass mm-hmm. because they're just leaning. And then they started mentioning defense. it on the broadcast as well. And it's to me when they mention it on the broadcast, it's because it was so unexpected. But again, national perception is that Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley is a a team that's going to throw the ball and throw the ball consistently. They'll try to be balanced, but it it favors a quarterback who can throw. And I love, I love what Lincoln Riley has said. And he said it on numerous occasions. It's not an original statement to him, but his statement is if your system doesn't favor or doesn't cater to your quarterback, you need a new system. And we're seeing through these three quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has had, we are seeing that play out in his career, in his tenure at the University of Oklahoma. All right, real quick, offensive player of the game, I got Kennedy Brooks. Man, uh, I can't I can't disagree with you, but I do want to ask when it comes to throwing the ball since we've talked about running the ball so much on this podcast best catch of the night oh it was the the touchdown on the pylon Braden willis uh, Braden willis yeah Braden willis for sure sure. i agree yeah no doubt have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why and you can see all the terrain around you uh you've got no issue with visibility or anything no everything's peachy Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, so defensively, here's the thing. I, I, when we're running out of time, man, we, we spent 40 minutes already, and it's been a fast 40 minutes. But defensively, when, when you break this game down, the defense played a heck of a game against TCU. One, one, you got 17 points that are on the defense, okay? 17, because one was a seven of TCU's 24 points were on a pick six. So that leaves you 17 points. Three of those points are off of a fumble, off of Hazelwood's fumble. So really, the defense on their own, that in my opinion, they gave up one big play, and that was mm-hmm. the 60-plus yard 62 run. 62-yard run, yeah. yeah. But when, when you look at TCU stats – if you're an offensive coordinator, if you're Sonny Cumbie, you you get back and you think, man, we scored 24 points on the number nine team in the country. <laughs> on 200 yards. Well, yeah, then you look at it and you're like, holy crap, we only had 11 first downs? Holy crap, we were one for nine on third down and 0 for one on fourth down? 204 total yards, 65 passing yards. Mm-hmm. This, this was a great defensive performance by Oklahoma, but yet when you listen to the national media and when you listen to a lot of Oklahoma fans, I was in Dallas during this game, right? I, and I drive home. My wife calls her brother. Don't mean to call out anybody personally, but 
he went to the game in my spot on Saturday night. And so she asked him, hey, how was the game? And he's like, man, the defense, you know, the defense really has got to get it figured out. And I'm like, no, the defense has it figured mm-hmm. out. The offense has to stop putting them in a bad spot. Right. Here's the thing with the defense. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close it on this. This is all I'm going to say about the defense. You ready? Here it is. Iowa State, Baylor, TCU. When the game is on the line, the defense has been on the field. And when the game is on the line, the three weeks in a row, the defense has been clutch with a last-minute interception. That, At this point, <laughs> I, call me crazy. Call me crazy. At this point, right now, if the game's on the line, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the last three weeks have proven it. With the game on the line, I want the defense on the field instead of the <laughs> offense. There's nothing wrong with that statement. But I'm I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here and say that we've talked about Jalen Hurts and the issue being turnovers. I think the same conversation, the same question can be applied to the defense. I said this in our preview, Matt. I've said it in the past couple of weeks is that the defense has been put in a position to make plays. There was specifically a batted ball, two Sooners, as that thing's soaring up in the air, two Sooners just can't get there in time. Were they in position? Absolutely. And it started with the defensive linemen being in position. I think it may have been Ronnie Perkins. I know he batted one of those down. I can't remember who the second one was. But Oklahoma and the coaching staff has been putting these players in a position to make the plays. They just haven't been able to connect. And it goes without saying that turnovers, we said this leading up to the game that Oklahoma couldn't lose the turnover battle and have a good Mm -hmm. outing or a dominant outing or even expect to win the game. I think we saw that play out. It being a four point game, you lose three turnovers, you gain one to end the game essentially. But Oklahoma, (laughs) I see the progress. I just don't see the finish. And I said this last week, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Oklahoma has to find a way to gain turnovers from opposing offenses. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but they're closer now than they were in September. No, I, I agree. Mean, I just I mentioned the that. last three weeks, you know, and and this this defense, what Alex Grinch is doing is incredible to me. Because I'm the guy on record saying you're going to have to have a turnover in personnel on the field before it really, really takes hold. But I think I I still stick to my guns on that a little bit. But look at Buki, for example, okay? That was a heck of a play. Yes, it was. This is the guy that we just wore him out a year ago. He got got pulled in the West Virginia game. I think he's redeemed himself. A hundred percent. He's got the pick six earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. That was not a give. That that wasn't the the best opportunity for interception we've seen the last two weeks was the one that Nick Benito dropped. And (laughs) and, the, the first one that hit him right in the hands. Nick Benito diving play on the ball. To get it. Buki, diving play on the ball to get it. You're seeing what Alex Grinch is doing and saying, guys, mm-hmm. when the opportunity comes, here's the gamble. Here's the risk. Because both of those times, Buki misses it, Benito misses it, it's probably going to be a pretty good game for the offense. So they're, they're getting there. Obviously, you know, they the number they want is two. And we've not seen them hit that mark very much through the season. But the one that they've gotten, and really the, the Iowa State, that, that doesn't even count as a turnover. That counts right. as, a, as a failed two-point conversion. But the point is, the one that they've gotten the last three weeks has been the one that they needed. And I'm okay with that. I can't disagree with you, but still. <laughs> but still. Still, no, Jalen Hurts no, should look, be look, I, Spencer Rattler in and Matt, I have, fire Alex Grinch and bring back Mike Stu. I'm sorry. I have no Twitter issues. has worn me out, man. Twitter I have, has just flat worn I have out. no issues with the defensive performance on Saturday. You've mentioned the one big break 
that one big play that slipped behind this Oklahoma defense. And there were a couple of times, and people want to basically crucify Parnell Motley for the interference calls. Mm -hmm. But the truth is Jalen Rager has one catch in the game. When has that happened all season long? Best player on the field for TCU at any given moment when they're on the offensive side of the ball. Best player. He's limited to one catch. And a lot of that, one of those interference calls, I, I think, was a phantom call. Their feet did get get tangled up together. Who goes down? Oh, yeah, Motley followed by, of course, Rager. Flag comes out. There's one where he, I feel like, intentionally grabs him because smart play. Because there's no way that you're catching Rager if he gets behind you. World-class speed. A guy who you can go through and see some of the track records that he set while he was in high school. And we're not talking statewide. We're talking national Mm -hmm. records. Guy is an extremely talented player, a freakishly good athlete, and can make things happen. Parnell Motley drew him for most of the night. And what you're seeing is a guy who said, I'm willing to give up 10 yards versus giving up a touchdown here. And I'll take that any day of the week. Comes back to the coaching. I believe, again, coaches putting the players in the position to make the play, but still just on the turnovers because it's something that was mentioned so frequently and it became a prevalent conversation within the community of fans that surround the Oklahoma Sooners. I still like to see those turnovers. We talk about how good Iowa State is on defense. Everybody talks about how physical they are, how good they are, how well a defensive mind that Matt Campbell is, okay? Cyclones are giving up 25.2 points per game defensively. That ranks them 52nd nationally. Oklahoma, 25.5. Three-tenths of a point behind Iowa State. In the top 50, they're, they're 54th nationally. So I guess that would technically be inside the top 55. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, this is not the same difference from 2018. Alex Grinch has their ear, and that is a big, big deal. Okay, nationally, Oklahoma got really a lot of what they needed. They could have used, they could have stood for Texas A&M to complete the upset and beat Georgia, but that didn't happen. But what did happen is what everyone thought would happen. Ohio State rolls Penn State out of the top 10. And then the shocker was Arizona State upsetting Oregon, paving the way for Oklahoma to move up in the college football playoff rankings. But what about the rest of the Big 12? Iowa State, I was I just talked about them and Matt Campbell. I, look, this to me, this is more of a mark about how good of a job Les Miles is doing at Kansas. They were within 10 points of Iowa State, who, by the way, is ranked 22nd nationally. They'll probably move up. We know about Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma State with Drew Brown. Uh, I thought it would be, I, I look, I, I, Oklahoma State was one of my Friday locks, okay? I locked him at five and a half points. They won by seven. I expected more here. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you needed this win. You did not need for Drew Brown to go down in Morgantown. <laughs> All that rhymed, and I did not mean for it to happen that way. The Cowboys outscore the Mountaineers 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter to win 20 to 13. Chuba Hubbard held to just 106 yards. If I'm Mike Gunny, that bothers me just a little bit more um, than it than it than it should possibly. But I think you look at chemistry that Spencer Sanders had with some of these receivers and Brown isn't there. Now here's what you're excited about when I'm talking about this Oklahoma defense and we'll clearly get into more bedlam coverage uh, later on in the week. But Jared Dagey, you remember his brother played for Texas Tech, 307 yards through the air on this Oklahoma State defense. Keep this in mind. Go back to what I said. Look at the four defenses that Oklahoma has played over the last month, four of the most physical defenses in the Big 12. I think you're going to see Oklahoma move a lot more fluidly, if if that makes sense. You're going to see more success. I think you're going to see the return, so to speak, of the Oklahoma offense against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. If they keep this ground-and-pound offense, 
that's going to bode well for Oklahoma. Kansas State, three-point winner over Texas Tech. The Red Raiders will not go bowling. Neither will the West Virginia Mountaineers. Texas goes down in flames at Baylor. Again, something Oklahoma fans needed to happen. Baylor number 14 right now in the college football playoff rankings just by the logo of the team that they beat. They're going to get a little bit of a boost, I believe, on Tuesday night, which is good for Oklahoma. Let's pause for a minute because I know we're we're getting close to the end of our allotted time here. Let's pause for just a minute and let's let's just think about the state of the current state of Texas football. This is the team <laughs> that won the Sugar Bowl a year ago, and that was the marker, that was the indicator that they were back. A lot of people now now that we're near the end of November, a lot of people don't realize remember that Sam Ellinger was picked over Jalen Hurts as the first team all Big 12 quarterback. Now, I don't even know if Sam Ellinger is going to be anything more than honorable mention as far as the quarterback play in the Big 12 this year. He maybe will be second team, but I think there's there's just as good of a chance he's honorable mention as there is he's second team. You got players entering the transfer portal. Now that happens everywhere. It happens at Oklahoma. You got recruits decommitting. And that happens everywhere. It happens at Oklahoma. But if you're Tom Herman, sell me on your program right now. I can't. So who's the fall guy? Someone has to get fired at Texas here, right now. Here. You cannot look, they're gonna they're gonna win. They're playing Texas Tech. So they're Texas now, Texas Tech, this is gonna be their bowl game. All right, this will be Texas Tech's bowl game. But Texas is going to beat Texas Tech. So you're going to be seven and five, and you're going to go somewhere around the Alamo Bowl. How are you going to sit there as a recruit and listen to Tom Herman explain to you how a year ago we won the Sugar Bowl, how we were picked to to challenge Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, but yet Baylor kicked our butt and Iowa State kicked our butt, and we barely beat Kansas. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma kicked our butt. We're seven and five, but we're back. I mean, I'm 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 not. People think I'm making fun of Texas right now, but I'm legitimately going. There's got to be a fall guy here. I think it's Todd Orlando. I think the defensive coordinator is gone. Someone has to lose their job, and Tom Herman. That water will be boiling if they don't win the Alamo Bowl or wherever they end up. It, it will be a boiling hot seat, literally for Tom Herman, but someone's got to go, right? I, I would think so at this point in time. I don't know who that's going to be. Truth be, I feel as though this is a team that has all but given up on the season, on Tom Herman as a coach. Whether that continues forward, I don't know. But the reality of the situation when we look at Texas and the state of recruiting is they, <laughs> this is something that, that I feel like is dated back even before Tom Ehrman was they've got to get a true quarterback in there. And if they want things to turn around, if they want to challenge Baylor, one of the better defensive teams statistically, and I think they've proved it, their worth on the field, but statistically top defense, you look at TCU, you look at Iowa State, all three of those are losses for Texas. And I think it's a large part, no running back this season. So everything falls on the quarterback. And Sam Ellinger, tenacious player, plays with an edge all the time, is a guy you know will never quit. But the reality is not a quarterback. Effective, yes, in the right offense. But when we look across the nation and we we talk about prolific quarterbacks, I don't think Jalen Hurts really fits that, but the stats say otherwise. I don't think Sam Ellinger really fits that. The guys I'm looking at are are the Brock Purdy's of the Big 12. Yeah, and the that's Charlie Brewer's maybe second, of the Big 12. Well, Charlie Brewer as where I was going. Charlie Brewer is going to be second team All Big 12, in my opinion. I think you're going to have Jalen Hurts and then and then Charlie Brewer. That's why I'm saying Sam Ellinger uh, honorable mention at best, in my opinion. I know how I voted, but look, I mean, I, I don't know. No, it's just a culture thing. So, well, that's the point. That, thank you. That's the point. Charlie Strong comes to Austin, Texas as one of the hottest coaching candidates 
in the country, leaving a Louisville program that he built, Lamar Jackson, so forth. All right. He comes and it is a Bridgewater. It is a a Teddy Bridgewater. It is a, uh, thank you. It is a disaster. Okay. It's a disaster for his time in Austin. He's gone. Tom Herman, hottest coaching candidate in the country goes there. How has it been better? It hasn't, but yet one season. Well, okay. You won the sugar bowl. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good for you. Right, but you have to sustain that level of success. That's the point I'm making. Like I said, it's just this, the culture. It is a – and we've been saying this for a long time, totally a cultural issue. And they got to have a coach who can change the culture. And I feel like Tom Herman has become more of a victim of the culture, means that he's kind of rolling into it and becoming a part of it, than he has been a guy who changes the culture. Hey, it is Bedlam week, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Saturday. We'll be back later on in the week to preview it. We can't do it on Thursday because Thursday is kind of a national holiday thing around here that we got to we gotta go eat some turkey and go into a trip to Fancoma afterwards. Hey, do you know why um, Oklahoma State can't make ice? No, tell me. The kid who had the recipe graduated. Boomer soon, everybody. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy uh, your week. Hopefully it's a short work week for you. We will be back sometime soon to preview Bedlam.